Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. This um, tension of seeing us as other... He just seemed so superhero-like, right. almost mythical, you mm-hmm. know, humanized them. The fact that they were uniformed public servants did not um, st- stop them from becoming victims. Marlon West prides himself on being a St. Louis native and a Black American in animation. He's an industry veteran of decades now, and his work as a visual special effects supervisor for Walt Disney Animation Studios brings characters and even water to vibrant life on screen. When COVID restrictions shut down production, closing offices across the country, and the murder of George Floyd came soon thereafter, Marlon was compelled to do what he does best, draw. Now his collection of hand-drawn portraits, on gallery walls, comic book style, are on display at the St. Louis University Museum of Art. Here to talk with us about his Ink Tributes project and how it's come together here in his hometown, we welcome Marlon West. Marlon, it's a pleasure to speak with you in person today. It's so delightful to see you in person and sit here and chit-chat. Now, let's go back to the first half of 2020. That's when COVID restrictions shut down the world and George Floyd's murder spurred Black Lives Matter protests in May of that year. Marlon, where were you physically and mentally at that time? Well, one of the things that did not really shut down is animation, at least at Disney. We all went home and we were all um, working diligently on, on various projects and I was um, at home, like m- most of my coworkers, working all you know all day on Zoom calls, like most of the world. And but you know I've been working for Disney for like 30 years as of this year, and um, and I-, I love it there. And I work in that building with a bunch of very talented folks who, um, so much better than me at doing caricatures and portraits and things that I've really kind of really stayed in my lane as drawing. Um, effects splashes and things like that mm-hmm. explosions and honestly i think it took being away from my exceedingly talented co-workers and being at home alone to feel emboldened enough to draw these images of uh. these portraits in this comic style i um yeah and, and and so sitting at home you know especially you know late at night i drew most of these and i initially I was very motivated um, to do them after George Floyd's murder. You know, Breonna Taylor's killing had already happened. And, you know, my my initial plan was to do four of these. It was going to be George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and it was going to end with uh, Kristen Cooper, who had survived his episode. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a happy ending. Right, right. Four-part thing. And, and I... But I ended up doing like 44 of them. That's quite a few more. Quite a few more. Mm-hmm. Once I got going, I kept being motivated by one episode or another, mm-hmm. the passing of someone like um, John Lewis 
in uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg or the anniversary of the three civil rights leaders who died um, at Till's birthday. So there, there just kept being things that would motivate me over over time. Yeah. And you drew these portraits in comic book style. Yes. Why is that? I, you know, I'm a unapologetic comic book nerd, and I, I, I feel very passionately that um, the comics are like a very American style of myth making. Mm. And, you know, most American comics are about superheroes, but, um, you know, Europe has folk tales, and we have comics, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and, and I wanted to actually draw all these people in a, in a way to kind of make them almost mythical, you mm-hmm. know, humanize them, um, because they're all were, were, were based on either like studio portraits where they're standing, staring right at camera, or I would say the vast majority of them were selfies. Right that they're staring at camera. And sometimes I've exaggerated that staring directly at the viewer. Mm-hmm. And, and um, But it was kind of important to me to do this kind of, not superhero series, because even though some of these people are quite heroic, right? Um, to actually draw them in a way that people um, would see Captain America or Spider-Man or the Hulk in, in, in a comic book kind of, presentation. Right. Now, you said that it originally you meant it to be just four. Then this project kept growing, and now it is a full exhibit <laughs> at the St. Louis University Museum of Art. And you had mentioned earlier, too, that some of the portraits honor those um, who were who did not meet their, their death at the hands of police mm-hmm. um, or in unjust sort of situations. As far as the people that you chose who are living figures, what is it about their stories that inspired you to add them to this this collection of portraits? You know, it, it was a different reason for everyone. Um, you know, someone like um, our current vice president, Kamala Harris, I did, did one of her... And that was the that was one of the only ones that was like a super positive one. It was you know when she was when her and Joe Biden were initially elected. She was you know they were she was vice president elect when I drew that mm-hmm. of her. Um, Eugene Goodman was someone who you know because I had been drawing them in this comic book style. There was a couple of photos of him running up the stairs or standing in this doorway that almost looked superhero like right right and so he, he you know he earned his spot um, and, and so many of these folks I think one way or another um, are, are standing up for civil rights or standing mm-hmm. up for them, themselves in some way or and and, and so um, it, it was kind of arbitrary I didn't have anyone they were not assignments so I didn't have to answer to anyone right right I, I drew them as I saw fit. <laughs> I don't mind answering your question. Right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And Eugene Goodman is the police officer who Hmm. was there um, when the the Capitol Hill insurrection happened, right? Um, Were you immediately drawn to, no pun intended, to Eugene Goodman because of what you were seeing him doing 
and also against the backdrop of the way um, black Americans have been presented in media. Yeah, that and the fact that it wasn't lost on me that a lot of the folks that um, were assaulting the Capitol would um, rally behind a Blue Lives Matter mantle. And here they were in what was described by a lot of cops as, as a almost a medieval-style battle for hours mm-hmm. against police officers, men and women of all hues, and uh, with, you know, throwing racial epithets at many of them. Mm-hmm. And so w- when I saw I was very aware of the... Um, I'm going to use irony for a polite word. Okay. Hip- hypocrisy of what was going on there that day, um, but but I saw a lot of um, images of Eugene Goodman mm-hmm. that, like I said, looked almost heroic. Him standing in the doorway, him running up the stairs. Yeah. And you know, in this down shot, and and, and I had already drawn like 10, 40 of these or something. He was one of the last ones in this comic style, and that it just. That one, he just seemed so superhero-like right, in just some right. of the, his presentation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he, so he was one of dozens of women and men, who some of which didn't survive that day, um, that were standing, you know, standing up for our nation in uniform. There was a several people in uniform, mm-hmm. uh, including Breonna Taylor, who was an EMT, that I, I, I kind of wanted to re- remind people that some of these folks... Um, the fact that they were uniformed public servants did not um, stop them become, from becoming victims. Right, right. We're speaking today with Marlon West, Disney animator born and raised in St. Louis and the artist behind Ink Tributes, a new exhibit at the St. Louis University Museum of Art. Now, the, um, the thing that I was imagining or reimagining was seeing the Eugene Goodman portraits, how big they are on the <laughs> walls. And really, it's um, it, there isn't much more, I guess, that is comic book than what we're seeing here, like with that particular portrait. Um, another thing you know, that really stood out as I was looking at um, and standing among, really, these portraits that you've done um, are ones of people who are close to here or were close to here. So there's a portrait of Nina Pop, mm-hmm. who was killed in Sykeston, mm-hmm. Missouri, which is not that far from here. Was there something in particular about Nina that made you sure that she needed to be among the people you depicted? Yes. Um, that Nina in particular, and Tony McDay, you know, are trans people. I have a trans son. Mm-hmm. And, and I was aware just because of some of the things that he posted about, I think, both of those stories. Mm-hmm. That, and I was alone in that house with him. And and he, my now wife, then fiance, I sent a screenshot to each of those drawings um, to to get notes on, and then I would actually tweak them based on. And they were almost always about the eyes. Th- those two, t- Tony and Nina, were 
almost for him mm. in some in some ways. And you know, even though this is sitting in the museum right now, which I find utterly um, wonderful and and more than a little surreal, because mm. they were initially just social media posts. They were a cathartic project for me to sit with these folks and stare at their images and, mm-hmm. and pay, pay some type of tribute. And I drew them in a way, in a, in a draw, drawing, draw up tool at work. It, they're not even in Photoshop or a, a, Adobe Illustrator. They're, they were, when I drew them, I thought they might be temporary. Yeah. I mean, the, the original posts were strictly screenshots. And so it was, I was doing them for me and for my kid and for people who, um, you know, the few dozen folks who, you know, follow me on various uh, social media. They never went viral or anything. And I, I had no intention of ever seeing them big mm. as they are. Yeah. I mean, the, the initial drawings are probably, they're digital drawings, even though I call them ink tributes, but they're pretty tiny. Yeah, honestly, and to walk into a room and see them huge, you know, in some ways larger than life, is um, was re- was really something. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a blend of art and statement, right? <laughs> yes. Activism. <laughs> yes. And these ink tributes, exhibition portraits, they're all black and white, with one bright exception. Yes. And that's with your portrait of Christian Cooper, who's a black man falsely accused of harassing a white woman while he was bird watching in New York City's Central Park. And Christian is a gay man. Mm-hmm. He's a science writer. And Marvel Comics' first openly gay writer and editor. So that's correct. talk about a <laughs> connection there to comics. And his portrait features an American flag in rainbow pride colors. And that is one of the first sort of, it's first portraits that you see when you walk in. Then as you walk through, and at least for me, it dawned on me at the end that that was where there was color. Mm -hmm. Why was that choice made? Well, because that, you know, that is a photograph of him wearing a pride flag. And so that drawing is based on a photograph of him. And who had made it a black and white, completely black and white photo, it would look like he was wearing either an American flag or in, because it was limited to black and white or it could have been the then blue line flag. Mm. And it decidedly is a pride flag. So I wanted to make sure that um, out, of, out of all of the otherwise black and white images that I kept that color in his, in his uh, portrait. Yeah. Was important. The color matters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In that, in that case, it was mm-hmm. very important. It, it, it would have, um, it would have said something else about potentially him as a person. Yeah, I mean, so this is a deeply personal project for you. You talked about your son earlier. What was your son's reactions to the tributes, especially the ones that pertain to queer and and trans people? He appreciated them, but you know, he's a teenager, so I can only be so cool in his eyes. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but he, you know, he's been very, very, he was very, very supportive of them and all of them. And I think he liked them. He, you know, he has seen the show both here and it initially started in Los Angeles. So he's been, um, you know, as, as supportive and delighted as a, as a cool 19-year-old can be. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, you'd started Ink Tributes with George Floyd. You went back in history 
We have a portrait of Emmett Till, who was a 14-year-old black boy from Chicago here mm-hmm. in the Midwest mm-hmm. that was kidnapped and murdered in Drew, Mississippi in 1955 after being accused of harassing a white woman. And then that was later revealed to be a lie. Is there anything that you would like to reveal to be less than true for those who walk through this exhibit here in St. Louis, your hometown? Hmm, less than true. I'm not sure. I, I have to say I was not prepared. Um, this in my hometown, seeing it in four rooms that one could actually immerse themselves in. Um, what, what I would love for people to experience is a certain level of you know, intimacy with these portraits because they're they're, they're so large and they're and they're so um, like I said they're all staring in the camera that they take a moment to originally kind of maybe think about these people in a different light. Um, if the overall there's like you know more than forty of them mm-hmm. and these episodes you know they trend on and off and they get replaced by another one um, and they so. I think hopefully maybe walking through this space, you may see them as a nearly century long narrative of of how people very often treat mainly black people because they're not exclusively black portraits. Mm-hmm. But um, this um, penchant of seeing us as other um, is um, it's a long history. Yeah. You said that you never intended for these tributes to be seen by folks outside social media. So that's, you know, people who follow you already and maybe mm-hmm. those who are sharing. How is it that they came to St. Louis University Museum of Art specifically? Well, a, a dear friend, Dr. Lori Shornick, it, you know, um, is, is a professor of biology at, at SLU, and um, she reached out a, a, about it. And honestly, in both of the episodes where they've, where they've appeared both at the Museum Museum of Social Justice in Los Angeles, a friend of mine just reached out to the institution. Mm. And in, in both cases, it, it's changed based on the space. Um, so th- that's also been a very cool collaboration because these aren't pieces of artwork that are in frames. They're like digital images mm-hmm. that have been moved around to be in the spaces that they that they inhabit. Both shows, if I dare call them that, are exceedingly different in presentation than the other. And it'll be interesting to see what people end up sharing and the kinds of sort of exhibitions they end up putting together as they curate, you know, what it is is uh, resonating with them. Marlon West is a Disney animator born and raised in St. Louis and the artist behind Ink Tributes, which is a new exhibit at St. Louis University Museum of Art. Marlon, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. This has been a delight. This episode was produced, recorded, and edited by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? 
suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.